welcome to Altered Fates. My name is Abla El Sharnubi. Altered Fates is a podcast about turning points and how we choose to navigate them. Each episode, I invite a guest to tell me about a moment in their lives where events conspired to instigate change and propel them forward. In this episode, I spoke to Benjamin Attlee. Ben is a medium. It's an unusual gift that I know many people are skeptical about. As a person who's lost some loved ones, I've been fascinated by the idea that those who leave us are somehow still connected to us. I met Ben at a shop in East London where he gave me a reading and told me that my mother was absolutely fed up with me putting off packing up my flat leading up to a house move. She was absolutely right to be. I was immediately struck by his kindness and compassion and wanted to shed some light on the experience of someone who's been given this rare and often challenging gift. I usually get the ball rolling by asking people if they believe in fate. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think whether it's fate or destiny, I think however you want to word it, but I think what's meant to be will be. Um, So do you think that things are, are written already? Absolutely. I think we come into, we choose our life, we choose who we are, we choose our parents, we choose everyone that is in our life as we come into our life um, ahead of time. So a lot of the time um, you'll meet people and go, I've, I've met this person before mm. and they're from a past life. Generally speaking, most people who you connect almost instantly with is because You've had a crossing in a past life. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay, so I should say at this point that you are a medium. So you, which means that you can, you tell me what that yeah. means. <laughs> better coming from you. <laughs> no, all good. I was waiting for you to give us a great interpretation or your own. I strong and then I, I lost my nerve. <laughs> yeah, no. So, I mean. In terms of like mediumship, there's so many different forms. It comes in so many different forms and ways and everyone practices it very differently. Um, For myself, being a medium, essentially that is a way of communicating to spirit and connecting to energy um, to, you know, on a certain level, I suppose. So um, my way of communicating is very different to sort of the next medium. Um, We all communicate differently. There's no you know, rules to how it really works. Everyone has their own kind of things of like tuning in and how they tune in, what they tap into, what they see, what they feel. Um, so yeah, there's, it's, it's a scale that, you know, I fall somewhere on that. That's so fascinating. (laughs) I mean, my God, I already have about 50,000 questions. Um, okay. So when you say there are lots of different ways that medium mediums connect to spirit, what are, do you, I mean, give me an example of how you might be different to someone else. Yeah. So, I mean, a, a, I guess easy example of I don't physically see a ah, spirit or okay. a, just like I see you, but some people do. Um, We'd see just like a person like an sitting there. Or, or someone physically sitting there. Yeah, correct. Okay. So as a kid, I did. And I'll get into that, yeah, I suppose, a little bit later yeah. on. But um, yeah, and that's where sort of, you know, everyone has the gift, if you want to call it that. Um, Everyone has the ability to tap into it, but we lose that as we kind of grow up and and we evolve sort of very differently as as we grow and choose to sort of shut that off. So you think all young children can connect with spirit? Every single person can. Um, That's why, you know, you see so often people have, you know, imaginary friends or a lot of the time it is not the case. It is genuinely 
they're, you know, speaking to someone or an entity or a spirit. Wow. Okay. And so um, it's really hard to know where to even begin with the number (laughs) of questions I have. Okay. Let's just go back slightly um, to you saying that you think we choose our life and our family. So... At which point is that choice made? Like, what is it like we're in a holding dock going, I think I'm going back in. <laughs> I, <laughs> guess. I think I'm going to, this time around. I guess so. Like, I think, however you could you could put it, um, we, yeah, we sort of, there's a period where, where we leave. And I think my mum explains it quite well, um, where we have one soul, and then that is split out into, so our soul, we have parts of our soul that is is dropped off. So we, so there's always one kind of collective soul, if that makes sense. And then you sitting in front of me or myself is one part of that soul. So oh, sometimes, wow. um, you know, people can live almost cross over with two lives at the same time. Oh my goodness, you're blowing so my mind. Okay, so so like there's one master soul and like it can split off and live many lives at the same time, yeah, potentially. Exactly. Yeah. My goodness. Okay, and what is the purpose of that in your view? I th- I mean, for me it's it's you know, it's learning. We we come into this life to to learn and get lessons and, and a takeaway and we come back into the next life and you'll almost challenge that in a different way. If in one life you weren't heard for some reason or you weren't really seen, maybe in the next life it's the opposite of that and finally you have that voice or you are seen or you are someone that, you know, is fine. You know, you had the lessons where you had to go through that only to come out into the next life as as something else or maybe not. Maybe there is another deeper lesson and it's a harder life that you live to then you know, the life after that or. But it's a life that you've ultimately chosen. So if you have a very difficult, like some people have horribly difficult lives at some point on a spiritual level, they've said, I want to learn those things. I want to experience those things. Yeah. But before it's almost like an unconscious choice made before they, you know, come on to into the life that they're, you know, they're in. It's not like growing up, you go, that's the path I choose. Sure. Um, Sure. I mean, but what's the what happens? Does this just keep going forever and ever, or, or eventually? What? I, I don't mean, know. I mean, I <laughs> I would I would imagine so, as far as right. I'm concerned. So it's not because I've heard theories of like, you know, the the stuff I've read basically says that you know at some point you understand the mean your soul understands the meaning of all of this like you're there's a source kind of energy some people call it the universe some people call it god some people call it whatever you want to call it uh and you're you understand that you're part of that and then you kind of start to live your lives and at some point you forget that you're part of that yeah and then uh something reminds you that "Mm, wait a minute something's (laughs) the bell ringing far away in my memory and you start to make your way back to knowing that you're part of this source that so there's a basically like a loop um and that your 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 many lifetimes are sort of bringing you back to that sort of source and i guess it, in my understanding at some point you go and i'm done look but it, it could be there could be an end i i, I can't say i've got all the answers oh God, unfortunately, I, clearly. <laughs> I think yeah there's i think everyone and I never challenge that. I think that's what's important as well. I think whatever your belief is or whatever it is that kind of, yeah, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong to these things um, mm. at the end of the day. I think 
you know, I've done a past life regression, which, you know, I went back to a life of being a, um, a pharaoh in a past life. So, What, an ancient Egyptian? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, and it was... It was quite an incredible experience if, for anyone that has done it. I mean, it's... What happens in a past life regression? It. I'd explain it like a really um, deep meditative experience. So you're conscious and someone's kind of talking you through um, and taking you to that life. Um, so you're, although you're conscious and you're hearing everything and you're, you're speaking back, you end up getting to a point, so they sort of take you... Um, to a, like right outside of the universe as per se. And when they bring you back down, that's down into that life. That life. Um, and it's almost, I suppose it's like a daydream. You're kind of vividly seeing like as clear as day, you know, that it's you, but you don't look like yourself. You're obviously very physically different in any way, shape or form. And I remember kind of, it started off where he sort of said, look at your feet. Um, the gentleman did it uh, is from the UK, um, David Wells, he's, uh, pretty well known here in the UK, but, um, yeah, he said, sort of look at your feet. And then all of a sudden, uh, I just was stood in sort of a desert and wow. was wearing sort of, you know, sandals. Prehistoric and, sandals. Yeah, pre <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and very much knew it wasn't, obviously it was, it was such an, a strange experience and they kind of take you through, um, that life, I went through sort of almost my whole life from, and everyone has a, a very different experience with it. Some people go through multiple lives when in a session, it runs for about an hour just over. Um, but I went through that whole life from about probably my late teens or early twenties until I was on my deathbed as per se. And, um, they sort of, you end up seeing people around and they, they ask you to um, the person running the session will ask you to go up and sort of look them into the eyes and say, is this someone that you recognize from this life or not? And it's such a funny experience to, to go, you look into this person and go, I know exactly who that is. Really? In your current life? In my current life. Oh my goodness. So yeah, my wife in that life was one of my best friends in this life who I share this tattoo with. Oh my goodness. Um, and it's, yeah, it's so interesting. And when you met your best friend in this life, did you have that feeling of like instant, instant connection? Instant. We met through someone I was dating back in Melbourne um, and she was very good friends with him. And yeah, all of a sudden it was... You were best mates. We just, yeah. Gosh. And I think, <laughs> so we, I think we've all had that experience of yeah. being like, how come it feels like I've known you forever kind of thing. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so going back to... Um, how you experience um, mediumship? What so? What do you what do you experience, and and what does it feel like? What is it? You know what what happens? Yeah, good question. Um, for me, it's it's one side of it is I I describe it as it's like picking up the phone, and I'm on the receiving end. So I receive messages. I can feel. So there's the empath side of me that I can feel how either someone is feeling or connect to that spirit. And they sometimes show me how they passed on. So it could be that I might struggle to breathe and that could be, you know, either they had lung issues, maybe they were heavy smokers, or maybe they, you know, had issues with their lungs and things like that. So, um, yeah, there's, there's sort of that side of it. And then also 
like flashcard images of like they'll show me things and it's almost like you're awakened but dreaming you're getting messages at the same time and they're kind of showing you things of like and it could be so random like it could be just colors or like specific dresses or detailings of like uniforms that people may have wore or um and so you're having to you're having to kind of decipher what you're being shown yeah <laughs> so if you're in front of somebody and they you're giving a reading and you're seeing all of this stuff how do you make sense how do you piece that together it's, into it's, it honestly it's like a puzzle is again how i do sort of just it's can sometimes it's i get the whole puzzle laid out in front of me other times it's like piecing it together in my head and asking the questions and making sure that i've got the message, the ultimate message before you pass, I pass it on that to on. the client. So you can ask, can you ask for clarification? Can you be like, do you mean this or this? Yeah. And sometimes that is what helps that bridge as well. Like they show me or give me specific key bits of information, whether it's names or dates or, um, you know, they'll show me like specific jewelry and I'll know like where that's come from or I'll know who the energy is or the spirit is. To the person to the that you're person. giving. Yeah reading too yep and from there it's then a case of going okay I've got this that person kind of confirming that yeah that would be this and then that almost opens that gateway for them to go okay yep we've connected there and that I believe then... you're talking to my loved one kind of <laughs> yeah, thing That's yeah what, yeah because people want validation don't they that you really are you are connected to yeah. somebody that was close to them or exactly or whatever so when a person arrives for a, for a reading do their loved ones just kind of arrive at the same time sometimes earlier really um, yeah like sat there in the waiting room going come yeah. on <laughs> Honestly, when's it gonna be my turn if i have them at home sometimes i'm in the shower and they just pop on in and i'm really? like great just let me <laughs> be in my face <laughs> for a minute oh my goodness um but yeah sometimes it could be I could be out walking and go, I'm, you know, I've got someone and there's obviously an ultimate message. I'm going to meet someone today. Or if I know I'm going into multiple sessions and doing multiple readings that day, I generally know that I've got something coming through for someone. And um, sometimes that person could sit in front of me and, and I'll instantly know. Other times I'll have to go, look, this was the message I got or key bits of information. Is it relevant to you? And sometimes normally it's, I'm, I'll ask the right person, but every now and then you, it'll be sort of the person after or right. The, so yeah. there's loads for you to work out in all of this. It's not like yeah, it's not an easy ride. No, <laughs> and, do, no. and do you just do you get better at it like with experience or is it always just super, super challenging? Um, a bit of both. Yeah. to be honest, like I've I've definitely got I would I would never in this lifetime say I've learnt I've learnt it all. Absolutely not, and I think. Um, there's always more to learn and there's always more that I could do that would help me as well to kind of channel it a lot better. Um, but sometimes if I'm doing multiple kind of readings, you're so much more open to everything and all of a sudden it's just, it just flows right out of you with, without any doubt. Right. Um, and is yeah. that to do with how clear the spirit is? Yeah. A lot of the time it is. Sometimes they can be clear as day. Um, other times it is challenging. Uh, Why are they not clearer? I mean, surely you're here to give a message, just like honestly, spit it out. It's it's really funny. I, I don't really have the answer to that, to be honest. I don't know if it's um, they've never really had the opportunity, whether they've kind of recently passed and that it's something quite new for them to do. Um, yeah, but honestly, it's sometimes they're just, maybe they're just older souls as well and, and can kind of communicate a lot better when right. they are on that side. Um, 
so for me, yeah, there's never really, it's never the same. There's no, no one's the same. No I get, two spirits are the no, same. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, and sometimes it's even down to the language barrier, as funny as it is, but where I, I genuinely can't communicate because they're speaking a different language. So I don't get English and I'll have to get them to try and explain in other ways where they're showing me things so I can try and relay that because I physically can't, you can't understand communicate them. that you way. Can, yeah. can you tell what language they're speaking? Yeah, gen- you, or if I know, if the, language, know the language roughly, oh, but God. otherwise, no. It's I'm just like, I just can't understand them. I mean, and, and in terms of like, are you not tempted to just go, look, what happens when, like, what happens over there? Like, come on, spill the beans. <laughs> like, what happens when you die? <laughs> Where did you go? <laughs> What's it like over there? Yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's like that. It's almost the messages that come through are, are what needs to be heard and said. It's not really, for me, it's not. It's so not an open, open channel of communication. It's no, like. No, it's not like you and I are sitting here today having a good old chin wag. Yeah. Do you ever like. Are you ever in the street and you get a message for someone that's standing next to you? Oh, yeah, all the time. Oh my God, and what do you do? Do you tell them? Only if... I've, have I done it on the street? Not so much on the street. I've, the amount of nights out I've had and I've gone up to strangers in a club or a bar You're and kidding. the next day, like... Gen- and this is terrible. Like, I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> dislike this. Um, but some people don't really like sort of to give readings, especially when they've had a few drinks. For me, I don't mind. Your mind's so much freer um, because you don't have your everyday stress when, you know, you drink. And I don't go into my readings drunk, by the way. But, um, <laughs> you know, if I'm on a night out, sometimes that's where you are switched off. And well, you're not overthinking. Correct. Yeah. And after a few gin and tonics, you, yeah, yeah it, it's, the, they love the, to come through. But I don't, I do pick and choose my battles. I know when there's, when if, it's appropriate. if someone doesn't leave me alone, I generally know it's for something some I need to pass that message it's on. Important. Otherwise I just say not tonight. It's you know, <laughs> it's not the time. Um And yeah. how do people react when you tell them? Um, again, something that I've I've not had a bad experience. I think again that's down to that intuition and just knowing when it is safe to approach someone and and what, and what sort of thing is it give me an example of like what it, what might it be like? I'm just imagining myself in a club and a stranger looks up to me <laughs> and goes I've got this message for you from... Um, I th- the last time it happened that I, I do remember quite vividly was um, there was a group of girls and, and I had... I It was her granddad that came through and I instantly got this, like, rivalry with her sister. Like, she there was just, like, constant conflict with her sister. And I was like, okay, I need to say something and, like, that's how I'm going to open it up. So I went over to her and I was like, well, I'm really sorry, but... And this is going to sound completely crazy. Um, but I've got your granddad here who won't leave me alone. And, oh, my God. Um, yeah, he just wants you to stop fighting with your sister. And she kind of looked at me and in shock just thought, I'm, I'm a complete stranger to someone. So, of course, and when it's a hard fact of something. And, Super of course, personal. I don't know. Exactly. And when I don't know this person exactly what's going on until we kind of start chatting a bit more until yeah. I get more information. Even for me, it sounds completely crazy. I'm just going up to a stranger and like, that's the first thing that comes out of my mouth. Um, but it's never really challenged because they go, well, you don't know me, but all of a sudden you've just come out with a piece of information that is so relevant to them at that point in time. Sure. That 
no one ever kind of says go away. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, to then kind of get to a deeper message from that. Uh, yeah. So. My goodness, I think you mentioned that your mum. So your mum's a medium as well. She is. So I guess like yeah, growing up, um, I was very blessed to be in a household of having a mother that understood what was going on. For her, she was at a stage where she knew we lived in a very small town in Australia. Um, and, you know, it was almost seen as witchcraft at that stage. She couldn't openly talk about it to people in the town because it, it was we'll just about burn you at the stake if we could. Um, so for me, it was very lucky. And my, my past and my grandfather on my dad's side passed away before I was probably about like eight, six to eight months old. Um, so I didn't, I don't remember him, but I used to sit in my room at the age of two to four and speak to my past. So that again, going back to what we sort of said earlier, where physically sort of seeing, I did sort of as a kid. You could actually see him sitting there with you. Yeah. And you knew he was your granddad. Yeah. So mum would come in and of course I don't, at being two, really remember this fully, but she'd come in and go, who are you speaking to? And I'd be so clear as day on, yeah, yeah I'm speaking to Pa and just drop off like bits of information that obviously <laughs> she knew but she encouraged it and I'm very grateful for that because had it not have been for that I think you know I wouldn't be here she and your mum was she like a practicing medium in the sense that she had clients and things was that her job no no absolutely not okay. as I said in the town it was just you could not of course talk about sorry it. yeah you yeah. said that my yeah. goodness so she was just a, she was a, she was a she, closet medium yeah <laughs> closet medium <laughs> Still to this day, like people genuinely do are so fearful of it and are so, you know, they'd rather, they do think it's sort of the devil's work or, you know, you shouldn't be getting involved in any of that. And there's, there is a really negative kind of connotational cloud around it, which I think, um, for me, like I like to challenge and, and yeah. I mean, I think, you know what, I think there are so many negative there's so many types of negative reaction to it so like I grew up in as a Muslim like I, my family are from Egypt and yeah that's the, ha the house I grew up in the home was Muslim and uh there's a very strong there's a real acknowledgement of spirits and there's a concept of jinn in Islam like these kind of light beings or they're sort of made of fire <laughs> and you're not meant to talk to them right. and you can talk to them but you're not meant to and there's an acknowledgement of this whole other world but a very strong line around Interesting. communication. Why do you think that is though? I think I think so so my understanding of of, of jinn is that um I think the, the fundamental is that you're not meant to dabble in things you don't understand, that you right. could start communicating one, with one of these beings. So it's really interesting. In, in Islam, the belief is that there is a parallel world to ours where every one of us has an equivalent jinn. There's one of us yep. in the jinn world and we're made of earth and they're made of fire. That's gotcha. this is the Islamic kind of perspective. So they don't want that crossover. Well, they don't want that crossover <laughs> because jinn have different... Uh, knowledge and wisdom and abilities they have a sort of powers if you like that we don't have yeah. and that human beings are vulnerable to that as in you can be manipulated or you can use your you know a kind of a jinn ally to to affect things in the human world to you know there's a lot of black magic and kind of you know yeah. casting spells on people or you know 
I, I don't, I'm trying to think of the translation in English, but like, yeah, sort of like casting spells or kind of trying to manipulate Messing love or people dark. or health yeah. or whatever. And and that's a real taboo. It's like you mustn't, and which I guess is a taboo anyway, isn't it? You know, yeah. you don't want to be affecting things negatively or or using, I don't know, spirit. For, for for ill ill deeds or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's just I think kind of the laws of of the universe. Yeah. Kind of thing. Don't mess with stuff that yeah. isn't your business. <laughs> that you yeah, exactly. So um, whereas I think other people are just really afraid of the idea that there is spirituality. Like I find really militant atheism. I'm like, what are you so scared of? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, why is it so, what does it make you so angry to admit that there's even a possibility that there's a meaning to all of this and yeah. that there are, there is a sort of, enter, you know, a kind of an energy or a force or a source or whatever you want to call it. And it's this real kind of militant, angry denial of any possibility. Of that. And I just think, oh. But you've said it, you've said it. It's scarcity, it's fear, fear. right? What people, what people fear, they, they just... What they don't, don't understand. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think a lot of the time it's a lot easier to believe that you can, that, that if you don't believe in any of the unseen kind of element of life, that you're more in control of things. Yeah. You know, that you're not at the whim or mercy of of chance or fate or, you know, that it's just, it doesn't mean anything. You just live your life and then you die and then it's over and that's it. That's and, it. you know, <laughs> and it's easier, it's easier to function that way. Yeah. Whereas if there is a possibility of something else that can, can influence your life or that you can even influence your life, it's a responsibility, Absolutely. you know, and yeah. you're culpable in to some extent. Um, you know, and then you get the super religious people who are just like, it's the devil's work. This is and, not it. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And like like we said, there isn't. It can be, <laughs> you know. Do you have an example of of giving someone a message that brought them like real peace around someone they'd lost? I've, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, me. I, uh, the list goes on. But um, I had a really beautiful. So I I've it was my second year doing Glastonbury Festival, doing readings there. Oh wow! So you go to Glastonbury and give readings? Yeah. So second year this year, um, and. On the last night, so uh, there's two of us, uh, my friend, um, another Aussie, uh, and myself um, go along. He was in doing a session at the time and I was out kind of speaking to the crowd and, and you know, uh, keeping them kind of company while they were waiting. Mm -hmm. And I had a girl with me. And at the point, at the time, like, it's it's quite funny. We like, I definitely don't look like the norm of of what a medium or <laughs> someone <laughs> clairvoyant if or I someone. If I picture one in my mind, no, you wouldn't be. Correct, people. Image. And yeah. it's funny at Glastonbury, we're in this old like trailer, and it's all theatrical, and they kind of come up and go, "So who is she? Where is she?" And it's like, oh, was it she? Yeah, everyone just assumes that it's right. it's this like middle aged old woman like dressed up kind of with a scarf tied around her yeah, head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then they've got these two young homosexuals in front of them kind of <laughs> ripping apart their life and they go, wait, what? Um, but yeah, so I had this, this, um, girl and I'd sort of said, oh, have you had a reading before? And she said, I did from a clairvoyant or medium. Um, but you know, they were like total crap. Like I got nothing out of it. And I was like, oh, interesting. That's a shame. Um, no worries. Well, and we kind of got chatting shoes and then... I'd given, I said, okay, I've got three specific dates and I gave her the three dates 
And she went, wait a minute, are you, are you like a clairvoyant medium? I was like, yeah, I am. And then she looked at her partner and she's like, I think this guy's real deal. <laughs> anyway, she went, yeah, they're very significant dates. I said, do you want me to continue? And she said, yeah, I, yeah, that, that would be great. And so I said, um, uh, you, if you relay the dates back to me and what they mean to you, I'll continue. So she said the first date, she went on a trip. Um, she went on this big trip uh, that she'd been planning for like months. Um, and her dad had sort of like supported her on it. It was like, please go on this big trip. Second date, her dad had died while she was traveling. And the third was on, when he was on the trip. On the trip. Or whilst she while, was on the trip. While she sorry. was on the trip, yeah. And the third was his funeral. And I said, um, yeah, you, you hold a lot of sort of guilt and the fact that you weren't able to be there for it um, and also the funeral and the fact that, you know, that was there wasn't specific people there that kind of should have been, all these sorts of things. And he's just coming through in a sense of like he doesn't want you to feel guilty. He There was a reason he kind of wanted you to go on that trip and enjoy it and, you know, you were meant to go on that and you can't go through life holding that guilt because it's just not healthy. Like he just wants you to live your life and he'd never hold it against you. And um, yeah, and there was a couple of other bits for her, but in as a whole, she sort of, and anyway, we kind of started chatting and at the end I was like, so did you enjoy the festival? You know, what's been your favorite thing? And she looked at me, she's like, honestly, this has been my favorite thing from this whole festival. Oh, You've just wow, Ben. Kind of I mean, Thinking, I, I don't know if you would necessarily, a person would understand unless they'd lost someone close. Yeah. But that kind of guilt or sadness that you feel when you feel like you can't make something right with someone, I mean, it's just an impossible feeling. And to yeah. be able to release someone from that is so profound and incredible. Like, yeah. it's such a gift. <laughs> it must must be amazing to be able it to is. do that. Yeah. I think each time you walk away, you, yeah, it it is quite uplifting because you you know you've given someone some form of closure or as I said it's that clarity on a situation maybe they've been pondering on for so long or it's been riding on their mind for you know however long and for you to be able to kind of surface that and go let's put it to rest yeah you can you can you can let that go now yeah I was gonna ask you um what your turning point is my turning Tell point. Me about I your was waiting for this. Um, I had to cut myself off earlier because I was like, no, I'll save this. So back to sort of growing up um, where, yeah, it, it did scare me. And I, I always knew it was there, but I just did not want to acknowledge it. I kind of went, nah. I'd moved to Melbourne um, when I was 18 to study. And I was working in this Italian restaurant at the time and it was November it was kind of Australian open had just finished and they were moving into Melbourne holds once a year Melbourne food and wine festival it's an amazing time of year people fly from all over the world to come there and we'd set up um out on sort of South Bank on sort of the river the front there they had like a stage and all these like gazebos set up with bars and different food tents and things like that so we were doing um, like $10 wood fire oven pizzas. It was myself and a chef who was fresh from Italy, didn't speak a word of English, um, and myself. So he was just bashing out pizzas. I was just taking payments and things like that. 
this live performer got up to sing on stage. Um, younger guy, probably in his 20s, came out and I just happened to look over and I saw his dad stood with him and I just burst into tears out of nowhere and thought, what is this? Like I, it just hit me like a wave. So his dad was... Had passed on. Oh, his dad was Sorry, not alive. Yeah, not alive. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Okay, so so you're looking at this kid yeah. who's about to perform, perform sing, and, and you can see the spirit of there. his dad standing next to him. And I just wow. could not. And I just started crying. And this chef looked at me and couldn't communicate with me. And I just I was just like, I'll be back in five minutes. And... Um, it was kind of from that point I went, I don't think I can ignore this anymore. Like that hit me like an absolute like steam train. Steam train. So what happened? You went to the, you went over to the guy. I couldn't. I just you I couldn't tell no. Him. I it it was kind of the first time it was such a at an older age of my life where, you know, I'd never seen or experienced it that intense in, you know, years. So I just didn't know and I kind of went, I'm scared to, I don't know how I would approach that. I, I just didn't want to say the wrong thing or sure. I, didn't, I didn't even know how, how I would approach it. So if I open this can of worms, am I going <laughs> to end up, you know, Upsetting I just don't know what him I'll, yeah. or... um, And from that point, I kind of went, you know what, this is here. I have to see it as a gift. I'm at an age now where I had always said I'd like to kind of explore that, but I was sort of waiting until... Later in life, when I wasn't kind of young and figuring things out to kind of plug that in um, until that. And then I think it was just a bit of a sign for me to go, no, this is always going to be here. It's about time you just acknowledge it and accept it, run with it and, and you know, start. Yeah. And start engaging with it. And yeah. did you, from that point on, did you start like seeing clients and things or how did you sort of integrate it into your life? Yeah, definitely not. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was, no, massive learning curve. Um, for me, it was more just experiences of kind of like if I was around safe people, I'd like openly kind of have conversations and go, you know, I'm kind of getting this and, but more of, and I still like to do that to this day, treat it as more of an open conversation so someone's comfortable. You know, I don't like it to be. Well, you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to impose it on someone no, who's not ready to hear exactly. it. Or, yeah. Um, so a lot of the time I pick and choose the way I'll communicate something or say something to make sure that it's a safe space before I carry on with a certain message, if that makes sense. It might be I've got this name or I've got the specific situation that's gone on and they'll acknowledge that and go, you know, you're comfortable and, and things like that rather than it be... So-and-so says to tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, okay, so so basically you started to sort of be more open to it. And then how long did it take before you felt comfortable to really sort of be in that space of being a communicator for, yeah. for people's? I think, I think a few, like a good three, four years before I felt quite confident to deliver messages. And my mum was... I was going to say, did you talk to your mum about it? My biggest advocate um, was always pushing me into it. She's always sort of said, no, you do what I do, but better and get out there and you, you know. Um, So she's always pushed me into it. And every time I visit home, she was like, my son's here, he'll read you instead of her doing it sort of thing, which, you know, as much as sometimes I go, 
fuck's sakes, mum. But <laughs> How hard <laughs> Does it, is it, but have things changed where she is now? Is it a little bit more kind of accepting yeah, and stuff? Yeah, so I think that um, we moved out of a country town in New South Wales across to Perth. I was about 12 at that point. So um, from getting to Perth, that was, you know, bigger city, mum was able to surround herself with like-minded people people, and and yeah she did find the right people and to this day there you know so mum practices it a lot more now she has clients a lot now doesn't do it full-time but um she does it a lot and um with an amazing woman Donna Wignall in Perth uh who's from the UK as well uh I'm you know she's been a family friend for years and she was my first ever reading at sort of 17 18 she she gave you a she reading. gave me reading and oh wow um I mean it's certainly uh I, I have a lot of friends who are really skeptical about mediumship and just sort of communication with to be honest like spirituality I think that that's they're fundamentally skeptical about spirituality and you know I, if I say, oh, God, that place has got, don't like the vibe in there. You yeah. know, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, um, but I know from from my experience, I both my parents have passed away and I had a very difficult relationship with my dad. And we were on really not good terms when he died. You know, there was a real uh, we had a big fight and he didn't want to talk to me. And then he passed away. And obviously that created, uh, you know, a huge burden really I had to I was sort of carrying around with me constantly feeling terrible and guilty that after you know struggling with that situation for um maybe a couple of years I decided to find a medium and see if I could connect with my dad and it was honestly one of the most one of the most important experiences I've ever had I think because the amount of of relief I got from that interaction you know this this medium he knew nothing about me uh he uh, literally he saw a friend recommended him it was on Skype and I it was funny because I um I had been messaging him on Skype 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 chat (laughs) for weeks trying to organize this reading and it just wasn't working it wasn't working and I had come back from I was doing like an MA at the time I'd come back from college quite late it was winter time I was alone in the house I was staying at my mum's place at the time my mum and her husband were away so in the middle of nowhere well, not in the middle of nowhere. I was in Kingston, which yeah. is in the middle of nowhere. But <laughs> not quite, fit, but... Fit, compared to where I live now, it was yeah. really the middle of nowhere. No, no, it's pretty suburban and it was really quiet. And um, and I just got... And I, I opened my laptop and Skype was on and he said, hello. And I said, oh, hi, actually, I've been meaning to get back to you to say, could we do it like next Tuesday? And he went... Let's well, we now. might as well do it now because they're here. And I was like, oh, my okay. God. <laughs> Who's here? <laughs> and then, you know, it took a minute. And, you know, there were a few kind of like, oh, I've got a lady here. I think it's your grandmother. And I've got so-and-so and so-and-so. And then he went, oh, a gentleman's just come in. And his whole demeanor changed. Like his voice changed. He sort of, it was almost like he was embodying so he was a bit of a conduit for, yeah. He really was. And yeah. he just, he sat back in his chair and he kind of crossed his legs, put one one ankle over his knee and he just, he sort of adopted this whole demeanor that was just so like my dad. And he said to me, and he was a Geordie, uh, the medium, he was a Geordie, he was from Newcastle, yeah. had this real accent. And he started speaking in a slightly different accent and he said, 
This man is saying that he thinks I'm very decent because I'm helping his daughter. And if the language is just not his language. Yeah. And my dad used to use that word all the time. He's a very decent man. And I was just like, oh my God. I had a whole conversation with my dad. And he was so sorry. And he said, you know, you know, my dad had addiction issues and I wasn't myself and I was so ashamed. And I never apologized to you for not being around. And honestly, it was so unbelievably like comforting and cathartic and and it, it just resolved a hugely painful like wound I was carrying and I was never the same again and I just since that point I'm like it's not hocus pocus <laughs> you know it can really help as you've said it, it's an experiencing so where you've said you've got friends that aren't believers or mm. you know spirituality is all this mumbo jumbo um that's fine. I think, again, it, it takes an experience for you to be able to kind of go, okay, th like there's no way that this could be anything but, um, which is why, yeah, it's not up to us to kind of convince someone otherwise. No, it's just of if course. you have an experience, then great. Um, and it really sometimes does take that. Uh, but also I think in terms of spirituality, everyone has such a different view on what spirituality is and yeah. and what it means to them. Yeah. And you know, one person's view, view on it is not going to be the same as the next. And that's where I think you get these clashes of, you know, people going, oh, I feel this or I go through all these sorts of things and, and they practice it a certain way. And they have certain rituals attached exactly. to it. And certain, you know, some people are into crystals, some people are into crucifixes, some people are yeah. into, And really, like, I think, you know, at its heart, religion is should be spiritual. It should be. You know, yeah. and I mean, often not, but... Um, obviously there's a bunch of doctrine attached to that that means that it's a very specific kind of take on spirituality but honestly really for me like all roads lead back to the same thing you 100%. know it's which is <laughs> which is and I think that human beings generally have a question inside them about that they're like really is this it there's so much out there we don't understand and we, we may never understand and I think I think that's the big key thing people shouldn't be so close-minded to. It's not, you don't have to understand it, but you also don't have to challenge it in a sense of, you know, if that's your opinion, that's fine. It's just when you get people out there kind of going, trying to challenge what something they don't understand. Yeah. It, I think that's what gets me the most. I think, well, how can you challenge something that you, one, don't understand and you have no idea about? You've just heard probably this, that, the other. Who knows where you've gotten your information from and... You throw that in someone's And also face. you're negating someone else's experience. Yeah. You know, like you're saying that can't have happened to you. Yeah. And that's not, that's not nice, is it? No. You know, and, and also it's unscientific. Like, you know, a scientific approach is to say, well, unless I can Prove disprove otherwise. it, then <laughs> yeah. it, I have to allow the possibility that it exists. Exactly. You know, which, and you know, like kind of zooming out from that all that like I read lightly about physics and like, you know, um, astronomy and stuff and like. It's like 92% of the universe is made of something that no one no one knows what it is. Like dark energy is like 92% of the universe and no one knows what it is. So like we haven't figured it all out yet. We have not, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Ben, it's been so nice chatting to you. Likewise. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having me. Oh, it's been great. Oh, such a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for sharing your amazing stories. Altered Fate with Abla El Sharnoubi is produced and edited by Amy Lee, with music by Simon Little and Andrea Triana, and artwork by Micah Van Neck and Richard Granger at Bunker London.
If you enjoyed this interview, be sure to like and subscribe to be updated on upcoming episodes. You can also find out more info and get in touch via Instagram at underscore altered underscore fate. I'd love to hear from you.